Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G-Mig's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome to Hawk Central, powered by our friends at G-Mig's each and every week here on Wednesday afternoon. This is how we end our Fanatics program. And uh, Chad always sets up some fun interviews here during the offseason for football. We usually get a chance to kind of bounce around that Hawkeye coaching staff, and we get a, another fun one today. Chad, uh, Coach Chris Doyle going to join us. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, always has some good stuff to say. And, and this is a great week for that because Iowa veteran players reported this week for strength and conditioning. Well, so great I would, timing. I would imagine, and Coach, tell me if I'm wrong, it would seem to me like your job got a lot easier today because one of your key uh, key jobs is to kind of keep players motivated. Now that that water tower is painted, I'd imagine that job's done for you, right? Yeah, that's, that was final. So that's all we were waiting for. Yep, yep. So you just get to <laughs> sit back on your laurels now and point your way to the weight room, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's all we that's all we needed was that tiger hawk. Yeah, thanks for giving us time, coach. We really appreciate it. Oh, happy to be here with you guys. You're uh, it is and Chad kinda of mentioned here it is a big time. You've got uh, veteran players reporting for summer conditioning on Monday. Can you kinda of give us a sense of what the calendar looks like for those guys? Yeah, you know, we started on Monday and then really excited to get going. The guys had a couple weeks off, uh, finals week in a couple weeks. So an opportunity to go home and recharge uh, and get back at it here. And, and we're really entering the final seven-week phase of our off season. So, you know, the winter is a seven-week phase for us. Then the spring is a seven-week phase. And then after a short break, we go into our final phase of, of conditioning and, you know, for the season. And uh, as we get closer, you know, June, to uh, the season, you know, we get into July, you know, the conditioning will really ramp up, um, you know, the position-specific conditioning, and, and really the final touches of football preparation to put together here. And It's certainly an exciting time because, uh, you know, you can smell it. It's right around the corner. Is there a formula to it, Coach? I mean, is, is that early off-season workout more about lifting as much weight as possible and now you're trying to get reps up with lighter weights? I mean, is there I'm, – I'm trying to simplify it in some way. Uh, yeah, I think that for years, like years ago, you know, 20 years ago, we as strength coaches made the mistake of like trying to peak everything at one time. Like, hey, we're going to peak speed. We're going to peak strength. We're going to be in great condition. And I think we come to realize that it's hard to chase two, um, you know, you know, chase two rabbits, right? So mm-hmm. you end up not catching either one of them. So the winter time for us is, is really, it's corrective exercise, it's functional movement, it's strength training. It's really trying to get guys big, strong, gain, gain lean body mass, and, and correct any functional dis, dis, uh, you know, functional movement patterns that need to be corrected. As we get into spring, it becomes more speed and power driven, mm-hmm. and then in the summertime, conditioning really is is uh, is what we're out for. And, and it's not so much about lifting light weights; it's about moving heavy weights fast, you know, and really intent to improve force application. You know, the harder you push against the ground the higher you jump and the faster you run, you know, and it's really about force application and become an explosive athlete and then being able to repeat that explosive effort over time, and, and that's really where the conditioning comes into play. There you go, Chad. Just got to duplicate that. You ready? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm fired up already. <laughs> um, yeah, Chris, uh, obviously you got the Ladies Football Academy on Saturday. That's always just an outstanding event. I'm sure you're you're probably uh, a good part of that. And then uh, And then another big event happens Monday, right? Is that when the freshman players come in? Yeah, we're really looking forward to getting the freshmen in, um, and really we're look, looking forward to Saturday. Ladies football, the Ladies Football Academy has been an awesome event for us now, and we've been able to raise a ton of money for the Children's Hospital. We really enjoy it, and our players get involved, and it's just really become a special day for us every year that we look forward to. So 
get through that on Saturday, and then a freshman come in. And, you know, these freshmen nowadays, like, you know, we're meeting with kids and recruiting kids right now, 2019 kids, 2020 kids, 2021 kids are being talked about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what it comes down to, Chad, is, is um, it's now our first chance to actually work with these guys. We've developed relationships with them over the past couple of years. Now, you know, here we are. Time to, you know, put on a pair of black shorts uh, and an Iowa football T-shirt, Put you know, get them laced up and go to work. So it's a really an exciting time. We have an awesome class of kids, great family, kids from great families, great backgrounds. So just can't wait to get going. What, uh, in your experience, what is maybe the part of your program? These first couple of days, I'm sure, are pretty eye-opening. But what maybe is the most challenging thing for newcomers to embrace? Um, I'd say the detail of it, the detail and complexity of it. You know, when, when a kid's in high school, playing high school football, you know, he plays defense and Maybe they're an eight-man front and they run cover three. Maybe they're a seven-man front and they run cover two. Um, you know, and it's just so much more complex here. Even yeah. in the strength conditioning end of it, you know, we're constantly progressing week after week. The complexity of the movements that we're using are going to increase. Um, you know, the complexity of the speed work, the strength training. You know, we may move in blocks every two weeks. We're, we're changing in and out of movements that we're doing. So they're constantly progressing. Whereas in high school, it's fairly simple. Um, you know, also, you know, in high school, these kids, they're the best kid in their high school. They're the best yeah. kid on the field on Friday night for the most part. Every right. time they step on the field, you're a, you know, you're a kid that you take a misstep and still win. You know, you can take a false step and run a route and you can out jump somebody, outrun somebody and you make the catch and you get a touchdown. Or you can step underneath yourself as an offensive lineman and then recover and, and win at the point of attack because you're just totally physically dominant. Well, now they're going to walk into a locker room with a hundred other guys that are just as talented mm-hmm. as they are. You know, so exactly. they can't get away with with minor mistakes. You know, that stuff gets magnified at this level. The other thing is lifestyle and recovery. Imagine if if you're a Division One Big Ten football player and you step on the practice field, you could be operating 80%, and nobody would know it but you, and you would dominate the practice and nobody could stop you. Now, you can't get away with that here. There's 100 other guys that are as talented as you are, so the intensity ramps up. The volume ramps up, the anxiety, the, you know, everything that everything that's happening is happening faster and more intense. So not only does it require great focus and concentration when you're training, but the lifestyle and recovery commitment is greater because when they go away, you know, once they finish a session, they can recover from that session. And in high school, there probably wasn't a lot of time spent on recovery. They didn't need to. There wasn't anything to recover from. But the, the lifestyle commitment and recovery commitment becomes much greater the higher you climb the ladder. That's really good stuff. Yeah. Coach, we have a couple coming in from Twitter here, so I want to fire a couple of these at you, a little bit more lighthearted, okay? Mm-hmm. What coach outside of the strength and conditioning group is in the best shape? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, our guys are fit. You know, our guys our guys work out, um, you know, and they're around the complex and they train, but I would say that nobody trains harder than Kirk. Um, wow. Kirk, Kirk trains hard. Uh, Kirk lifts regularly. He sprint. He does sprints. I mean, he runs 55 and does the bike elliptical. Like he, he, he is. A very, he's a dedicated. He's dedicated to training. How about this question? You you get one coach to take on an American Gladiators uh, type mission with you. Which guy are you taking? Oh, I mean, you got to be kidding me. Like our staff. <laughs> there's, there's, I would. I would. That'd be a tough pick. I'm gonna. I'll jump in for you because I've seen, Kel- seen Kelton Copeland's Copeland. guns. I was thinking Copeland, Woods. I've seen Copeland. Like, yeah. it, see now, Copeland is still on 
child. Like, he's only okay. here, here. That's why, you know, I say Kirk, and I know he's the boss and everything, but just on the just on the cover, Copeland, I mean, he looks like Lee Hay, he looks like Mr. Olympia, right? But he's still on trial. Like, he's still, you know, he needs to do it for another year before he wins the title. Like, Kirk is ahead <laughs> right now. He's got the longevity. Yeah. You know, but look at Copeland. Um, you know, I think Brian Burns has proven that he's got some fight to him. That's for um, another one, played, yeah. Yeah, he's played, uh, you know, Reese is, Reese would would um, certainly have um, a lot of wisdom and treachery behind the scenes. You know, he's <laughs> he's pretty well, you know, he's pretty well versed in, in how to win. So, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't bet against any of them. You I, know, it also took Polisak and Lamar Woods. There is a bunch of guys that would be good candidates. I thought maybe he was going to uh, call uh, call Coach Seasoned there, but I, you you stayed away from that, Coach Doyle. Nice job. The other Twitter, the other Twitter question is: What are some of the? We, we joke about motivating with the the water tower. What are some extreme examples of motivation you've used in your nineteen years? Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you what. Yeah, it's a tough question. The way I see it is, motivation is not one event. You know, it's about developing habits over time, and it's about you know really investing time with young people. And you brought up the point about guys coming in on Monday. Well, we have the opportunity to meet kids at sixteen years old, seventeen years old and really run parallel alongside them from 18 to 23 years old. And that happens over time. The more kids invest, you know, the more motivated they are to, to see, you know, the results of that investment. Um, they learn to be mature and, and understand that delayed gratification is important. So, you know, motivation isn't an event. Motivation is a daily, you know, a daily commitment, right? Um, the one, you know, have there been times when we may have used something to motivate guys? Absolutely. Um, I remember 2004, we went down to Phoenix and got our butts kicked by Arizona State. And, and at that point in time, that was as embarrassing a loss as we'd experienced in a, in a, in a, in a, in, in a period of time. Mm -hmm. We came back and um, we put a toilet in the weight room. And... and uh, on Monday, the guys came in the train, and there was a toilet sitting in the weight room, and they looked at it, and I didn't really explain anything to them, but the message was, hey, we're going to flush this. Like, this is this is not who we are. We're not going to let one defeat define our season. We're going to flush this game. We're going to go back to work. You know, and we ended up winning a championship that year, and, and um, I think it was about the kids' resilience. There was some things going on around our football program at that time that I think galvanized our football team. Again, it wasn't just one event. That was a year where we went through some – adversity right and we had norm wasn't exactly healthy that year kirk lost his father we lost joe moore brian ferentz had some health issues you know we had running back yeah. you know with every running back in the roster was hurt <laughs> right, so right. we had some extreme adversity that i think really galvanized our football program you know they say that you know um the, the hammer shadows glass you had forged steel the hammer being adversity and i think that adversity that year really galvanized our team, brought us together, and allowed us to do something special. How about one that uh, maybe you've you've had to scrap, a motivational tactic that you found out in your years didn't work as well as you'd hoped it would when you were younger? Um, I don't know. I, I think that uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. How, about, have, how have you changed as a coach? Maybe that's the better question, Coach. I think just spending more time with guys individually. I think just finding ways. You know, gaining wisdom as to how to deal with guys on an individual basis and understanding, you know, Coach Gable always talked about everybody's buttons are different and certain people need different, you know, different interactions. Some guys respond, you know, to rah-rah. Some guys respond to, you know, they need to be coached hard. Some guys you need to pull them aside and pull them behind closed doors and spend time with them individually. So I think as you get older as a coach and you evolve, I think you, you better understand, you have a better understanding of, 
of uh, the needs, the individual needs of the athlete, and then you need to be flexible as an as a coach with your athlete to find a way um, to connect. Coach, uh, you and I talked a couple months ago about some of the technological stuff that uh, the Iowa football program has done. Um, different audience here, and, and I know I wrote a story about it, but I thought the GPS technology that you guys use, I believe you're near six of that. Can you maybe give our listeners a little overview of what you can get out of GPS technology and what it is exactly? Certainly. You know, our athletes, they, they wear a, uh, a GPS unit, which is the size of about the half the size of an old flip phone, um, you know, or the size of like a nine-volt transistor battery. I'd mm-hmm. say about that size, and that goes up on the top of their spine. They wear it in a harness, and it allows us and affords us the ability to track everything that goes on in the football field and really accurately measure loads and accurately measure high-speed distance, um, accelerations, decelerations, cutting right and left, asymmetry, right side, left side, asymmetry. It allows us to track heart rate exertion. So we get a a number of variables that allow us to more accurately then program our training. We can use these GPS units in games so we know what a game looks like. We can design a game simulator in July to look exactly like a game in September, October, November. We can overlay them on top of one another and see how closely we simulate a game. And um, it it really gives us a huge advantage from a strength conditioning perspective to accurately design programming that will prepare them to play. Coach, uh, was the first word you said loads, that you can accurately uh, pick up on, on loads? Right. A load would be, you know, for example, we have an integrated load where it brings into account five different variables, high-speed distance, acceleration, deceleration, heart rate, exertion, you know, so uh, maximum acceleration. So it throws that into an algorithm, and we can give it – I like to get it to one number. So Kirk can say, hey, what was that practice today? And I can give it on a scale of 1 to 10. I can say that practice was a 6.8, and he'll know what that means. Wow. Or we can say it was a 3.2 or what have you. And um, and we also know when to back off. It's, it's when you know we can push, we can push a little bit, we can ramp up the volume a little bit. Incredible. And then sometimes when you walk into staff room and say, "Hey, we need to be careful. We were you know we were twenty percent greater on Tuesday than we are on typical Tuesdays. And then Wednesday we may need to back off a little bit in practice or on an individual player chat." Incredible. That's good stuff. Um, I had a chance to sit down with Kirk Ferentz last week and um, had a long interview with him. But one of the things he mentioned. I don't think I wrote about was that uh, while we talked, Marshall Yanda's truck was outside. This is one of the top uh, offensive linemen in the NFL, obviously was a Hawkeye. Uh, how common is that for former players um, to kind of come back in the offseason and train with you? Um, I would say, you know, that's common, uh, very common. We're, we actually, in our new facility, we added and put, we had built in an NFL locker room um, specifically for those guys because we have such high traffic. Um, in the out of season, it's not uncommon. There were times this, you know, February, February, March, high traffic for NFL guys. You know, the season gets over through January, and uh, we'll have as many as twenty guys training that are NFL training for the NFL um, in our complex, and that's February, March. Then typically mid April, they go to OTAs, and they'll come back. You know, third week of June, and we'll get about another month with them in our building. Um, so. Yeah, like those those guys are around. Those guys have a presence. They have different degrees. Some guys will come in and out. You know, they'll come in for two weeks and leave for a week, come back for a couple of weeks. So, you know, they're a little bit different in that regard. I would say the most consistent guy 
um, is Yonda. And, and part of it is that Yonda is so established in the National Football League that he doesn't go, he doesn't train a lot in Baltimore in the odyssey. He'll go in for an OTA or he'll go in for a minicamp, but he spends the, you know, the vast majority of his offseason, he trains with us. Good stuff. And he trains with the play. Like, you'll see him, like, he's in our group. Like, he's, he, he's extremely competitive, and he he will train right alongside our guys and compete with them. And, you know, it's not uncommon for one of our players to look over and, okay, there's, you know, there's an NFL guy doing the same exact drill in the same drill that they are. Yeah. And he's a, he's a really good NFL guy. <laughs> so yeah, I think yeah. he's, I, I, think he's an, I, I really believe that he has a, a legitimate chance of being in, uh, in Ken. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's had an incredible career at the Baltimore Ravens. Um, another thing coach Ferentz mentioned, you guys are, re- you read the, the book pound the rock this year as the team book. Anything stand out from that book that you can see the guys uh, applying? Well, I tell you what, the, the name of the book actually is Pound the Stone. Pound the and, Stone, sorry. Yeah, pound I, the I mixed stone. up your slogan, Break the Rock. <laughs> My bad. Well, I tell you what, Pound the Stone by a guy named Josh Metcalf. And ironically, in the book, in two different separate separate sections in the book, they use Break the Rock. Oh, there and you go. So for us, it was a natural tie-in back to kind of the roots and the foundation this program was built upon. Um, it was an outstanding book for our guys because it chronicled the high school athlete going through a lot of the same, you know, same um, issues and dealing with the same issues that our kids deal with. You know, um, you know whether it was you know, it was a discipline issue, there was a so, you know social media, you know heartache. He's trying to get the girl. Um, he made some mistakes along the way and kind of learns, you know, the, the benefit and the value of the process of delayed gratification. And, you know, sticking to the basics is really what leads to success. So for our guys, I think that it resonated with our guys. So it was a good read for us. Coach, one more question that came in from Tori on Twitter, and it's kind of uh, maybe a compendium to the to the technology question. He wanted to know if you're using the virtual reality training that a lot of us have seen that they have for quarterbacks now. I tell you what, yeah, they're, they're using upstairs, you know, um, Kenny O'Keefe coming back from the National Football League was exposed to a lot of that kind of technology. And, um you know, we are moving and becoming more advanced in the way that we break down tape and the way we film. If you watch one of our practices, you'll see a guy behind the line of scrimmage with a pole. And that pole is about, I'm going to guess it's 25 foot high. And he stands right behind the quarterback and he's got a camera on there. And he's filming in kind of like a bird's eye view of what the quarterback would see. And that's being incorporated into our teaching tapes. It's being incorporated into our daily meetings. So that very virtual reality, you know, point of view is, is absolutely being added, you know, to our football, you know, preparation. All right, Coach, final question. Who are the character leaders of this 2018 Hawkeye team? Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you what, I think that'd be better. And that, I'd be, be easier to answer. It'll be easier to answer in November. Okay, um, that's fair. You know, it, that takes time, and that's going to play itself out. You know, I think that if you, you know, watch our football team play and you watch the guys, you know, you watched us a year ago. You know, there's some there's some young people on our program that haven't graduated yet. You know, you look at someone, um, you know, like you know, like a Hesse, and you look at Stanley, and there's some guys, um, you know, that are currently in our program that that have already taken on leadership roles. And those are the guys that right now are continuing to grow in their in their leadership and impact. We we did ask each position coach to give us a guy that was going to surprise Hawkeye fans in a pleasant way. Maybe for you, the better question is which position group. Do you think Hawkeye fans are are underestimating for the 2018 season? Oh boy, I I oh, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, 
I don't know. I think I think there's so many stories in my mind. There's so many stories developing. Yeah. You know, we have a young receiver group that's going to be a year year um, a year older, a year more mature. You have two guys that I think are on national NFL tight ends at least yeah. two. Um, you have a quarterback who I think has a great future. You have a new tailback in 21 that uh, that has ability in 28. They're both like they could be a tandem group. So offensively, our offensive skill positions are you know the majority of those guys are coming back and are going to be a year older and a year more mature. Defensively, we should have strength in the defensive line, strength of leadership, and strength of experience. Um, obviously, linebacker. I think you're going to look at it's going to be similar to like 13 or 15, 16. You know where we had a whole. We lost three seniors. It's going to be really hard to hard to replace. And you look at Josie was awesome, and and Bauer became a solid, great player. And Neiman, you know, those guys are going to be tough to replace. But we have some young guys that are game that are working hard. And certainly, you know, in our secondary, we have some young corners and some depth and experience at safety. So that's really hard to it's hard to say. Um, but I think there's certainly plenty of candidates that are working hard, and, and I'm looking forward to finding out. Coach, thanks so much for giving us time. Greatly thanks, appreciate Coach. it. Talk to you soon. Hey, always enjoy visiting with you guys. Have a great night. Thank thanks. you, sir. By the way, that's a coach. I mean, 21 and 28, yeah, Ivory Kelly Martin and Torin Young, who he's talking about there. <laughs> I love that he refers to him by his number, by their numbers. When we get back, we will wrap up this 5 o'clock hour reaction to the Chris Doyle interview. We'll hook up with Mark Emmert here in about 10 minutes or so, and a little bit of wrestling news coming out of Iowa City. We'll touch on that before the top of the hour here on Hawk Central on 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Only a few minutes left uh, in our emeritless Hawk Central program. If you'd like to weigh in and fill that gap, 284-5966. Chad, fun interview with Coach Doyle. I, I don't know what else we can add to that. I thought his answers on the technology stuff were uh, really cool. I had no idea that that's, uh, that sort of stuff was happening on the campus. That's awesome. You wanted to bring some insight for some news that's happening out of Iowa City today with the wrestling program. Yeah, I mean, uh, there had been some some murmurs on the message boards, et cetera, that uh, Michael Kemmer, who finished third as a, as a freshman at 157 pounds finished, in NCAAs, fourth, fourth last, last year, year, which was an injury default, so really I think I consider him third. Um, he may be moving up two weights, so Iowa to 174 pounds. So that's a that's a – a seismic move if it happens. Coach Tom Brands um, obviously is not in a position to announce a lineup change in June, but uh, he said he has uh, upped his weight and is could move up. And he's got a couple. Uh, Caleb Young could be cutting down to 157. That's what I wanted to ask you, kind of what what this yeah. means to the rest of the lineup. I mean, he's been locked in at 57 for two uh, years. Two yep. years. Yep. You mentioned third is freshman year, fourth last year. And now going to go up two weights. That's a huge jump at at this point. Yeah, certain to need to keep stressing. Totally unofficial at this point, okay. but I mean, but he has uh, anyone that's seen him is, knows he's put on a lot of size. <laughs> and uh, um, Alex Marinelli's not budging from one sixty five. I mean, he shouldn't. Yeah, right. Um, so what does that mean then? What happens at fifty seven? Yeah, I think uh, first of all, I think Kemmer will be happier and and maybe even healthier up at one fifty seven. He was um, you know struggling through a little bit of injury last year. And then uh, Caleb Young or Jaron Glosser, probably their two best candidates there. Caleb Young um, actually was wrestling 174 last year, but it was a very light 174. <laughs> so he could, he could make the cut. But, okay. uh, yeah, some, some a lot of stuff on the move. I, I posted a story this afternoon. We haven't had a chance to really talk about uh, the Tyler Cook situation. We haven't had a chance to let Mark Emmert weigh in on it here on KXNO. 
That story broke last Wednesday. We had the interview with Coach Ferentz, and as soon as we went on the air, we knew it was going to happen. The Tyler Cook news broke about five, ten minutes after uh, that interview started to play, and it was one that Chad had had to do earlier in that day, so we couldn't be live with it. We get a chance now to kind of get our reactions to the Tyler Cook story. There's been some great reporting done from Chad and Mark. Chad got a chance to chat with Tyler Cook's mom. Some interesting things were said in that conversation that uh, have been brought up throughout our week on Sports Fanatics. So we'll get Chad's take on what that actually sounded like coming from Tyler Cook's mom. What did Tyler Cook say? Mark had a chance to chat with Tyler Cook. We'll get Mark Emmert on board with us. We'll take your phone calls. We will lead you up to Cardinal Baseball. That'll start 620 here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mix Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central, leading you up to Cardinal Baseball. Here in about 20 minutes, Cardinals taking on Miami. Tonight, uh, we're joined now by our buddy Mark Emmert. Mark, you missed a fantastic interview with Coach Doyle, but I understand you're actually on vacation, so maybe maybe you didn't miss it at all. No, I'm sure I did. I definitely will catch up with that. What was the highlight? Uh, what was the highlight? Uh, Chad, uh, I mean, beyond I the tech, couple things, yeah, beyond the technology stuff, it was. I thought it was pretty eye-opening. Um, just the what the freshman's mentality is in that first week. Just every, you know, mm. uh, coming in as uh, you know the best player in their high school, and then really getting kind of <laughs> grounded pretty quickly. He, he, he did a good job of, of yeah. describing that eye-opening experience that happens when you're not the best player yeah. in the locker room again. And if you're not going 100, yeah. percent you'll get exposed. That I mean. Yeah. And Mark, uh, I, I would say the to put it on a bumper sticker, uh, Coach Doyle explains how using a toilet was his best motivational technique. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, That'll be the headline. Yeah, so th- there you go. Now I, that That's out. my clickbait for you right there. <laughs> we haven't had uh, a really good chance to chat about this Tyler Cook situation since it's really come to right. come to a head here, and, and we have some finality on it. So let's take some time to do that now. We obviously know that Tyler Cook returning to Iowa. Mark, just... For you, how big of a surprise was that when you saw the news that Tyler was coming back? You know, it wasn't really a surprise. I, I didn't. I didn't. I never really had a good feeling one way or the other on, on whether he was coming back or not. Uh, obviously, because he wasn't talking and his family wasn't talking. So, uh, and it sounds like after talking to Tyler, even he didn't know till the very the very morning of May thirtieth. That was when he finally made his decision. So, uh, it felt like it was back and forth the whole time. So, I guess nothing really would have surprised me there. I was just kind of, I guess, anxious to see what what he did decide, and uh, and uh, he finally did. Boy, it was uh, what right around dinner time on on Wednesday. He took it down uh, to the last few hours there. Did he say what happened on May thirtieth that uh, that that made the final decision for him? No, it wasn't anything like specific. He just thought this is the best chance for him to kind of uh, you know improve his game, maybe show a little bit more what he can do, work on the things that he was asked to work on or directed to work on. He did say he had one opportunity with a, with an NBA team. He didn't say which team or what the opportunity was. I assume it was a the G League situation. Uh, but decided that uh, he'd rather come back and spend one more year, at least one more year at, at Iowa, and uh, kind of hone his game a little bit. So that was uh, that was kind of all it was, really. He and his family talked about it, and uh, it, the time wasn't right to go pro. Chad, were you surprised? Yeah, I think I had a lot more surprise probably than Mark did on that, just for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I was uh, – it just seemed like uh, some of the reporting I had done um, that – 
the the tea leaves were pointing to him departing. Um, I have you know my my thinking is he just uh, didn't have probably exactly what he wanted. Maybe all along he figured he you know would have would have a good chance to have some kind of uh, solid guarantee at the next level. Now he does sound it did sound like he had had one opportunity. That's what his mom said too, and they they seriously considered that. But as she said, um, you know. Their final thinking was if they had one opportunity this year, if he came back and refined his games, there might be many opportunities next year. Yeah. So right. maybe he just maybe it just wasn't a great fit or whatever for whatever reason. And then uh, obviously you have to make a kind of have to make a decision at some point, and um, it, it ultimately becomes a better decision, I guess. To I mean, the sure thing is to come back to Iowa and know you have another year of education paid for, and and probably become you know. Uh, one of the stars of the Big Ten, if your game keeps ascending, potentially. Right. So uh, that's all enticing kind of stuff. So, and she did kind of stress, "We'll be back basically one more year." I mean, she didn't say we're gone next year, but I think she kept saying, "One, you know, yeah. next year, next year we'll we'll go, or next year we'll have an opportunity." So I think it's three and done, and not two and done is the final story here. Maybe a weird question here: Did we learn anything about this process, Mark? Did I mean we kind of went into this thing? With a lot of question marks about how this worked, what sources to trust, that sort of thing. Did, did we learn anything this year? Well, I think the thing that was interesting, just talking to Tyler about it, was um, he said that like the, the NBA teams did a lot of really uh, detailed scouting of him. They, they knew all about his game before he even got there to, to have their meetings. It was more about uh, the off the court stuff. They wanted to know more about him in the locker room. They wanted to know more about him as a leader. Um, they wanted to talk, you know, ask him questions and probe him a little bit more in the, in the interview stage of the thing. Rather than just, I mean, they know he can dunk. Obviously, we've all seen that. They they kind of knew his game better than probably he thought they did. So it really wasn't so much about showing what he could do as a basketball player. It's more what he could do in the other th- areas of his of his life and his game. Interesting. All right, Chad, can you help me out with what uh, Fran McCaffrey's reaction has been to this? Well, I mean, his reaction is uh, they're thrilled to have him back. Obviously, I mean, this is a guy that scored 15 points a game last year and, and led the team in rebounding as well. Um. So and that's obviously what he you know what else would you expect him to say you know we're disappointed he's returning yeah, right I mean, so. ah darn it we were really uh, moving on you know I guess we'll clear his locker room again so he yeah. can put his stuff back yeah, in we'll there we'll put his name back on the locker um, so uh, yeah but I think uh, it's it's interesting I just I just wonder you know if if you could really know exactly what the coaching staff was thinking we'll just probably never get that kind of um, candor I don't think. Uh, but uh, but certainly, I think there there were times in that stretch where they were planning to go without him or had to make plans without him. So right. so I guess that's that's uh, so that's that. All right, our buddy Troy he calls in a lot, and I, I think I know where Troy's going to go with this. He wants to talk about a different part of the Stephanie Cook quote. Troy, thanks for giving us a call, buddy. How are you? Oh, great guys and uh, great show. Wonderful article as always. Um, great coverage last week, Chad and Mark. Appreciate it. Uh, could you dive into that quote by Stephanie Cook talking about? Uh, I thought that was the most, the juiciest part of the article. Um, her quotes about the skill sets of Tyler Cook. Yeah, I don't have the quote in front of me. I'll try to call it up as we're talking here. But basically, she said uh, the the feedback that Tyler got um, was that they were impressed with how he kind of handled the ball in a wide open system, and uh, you know, as opposed to very at Iowa where Iowa plays in a system and maybe his game is constricted a little bit. And that was kind of the, that's really what 
she said. And um, I guess that is a good point to debate here, Troy and Mark and Ross. I mean, I mean, do we think that the system holds him back? Um, it does seem like that that is the feedback, or at least what his his mom is saying. I I hadn't seen that, and I, and maybe this year my eyes will be open to it a little more. Maybe I haven't been critical enough trying to watch that to see if Tyler Cook is best being utilized. I think it it, it smells right. I mean, Mark, that it passes the smell test. When I hear that, I go, well, maybe that's why we've seen Tyler Cook struggle and not live up to that potential. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe. I, I haven't really thought of that either. I, I do feel like it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, offensive, uh, happy <laughs> system. I mean, it, it seems like it would give him a chance to really excel. Um, he, he was not on the perimeter at times last year. He's just not a very good shot out there. But uh, uh, you know, according to McCaffrey, he has the freedom to handle the ball wherever he wants it on the court, and even even to bring it down if, if he gets a rebound. So. I'm not quite sure that might be that might be, might be mom saying something that uh, that she wants to believe. I'm not quite sure I buy that mm. entirely, but I can you know I'll certainly have to keep an eye on. That's this. a good so, filter there, Mark. That's that's a good one to run it through. Troy, here's the here's the full quote uh, from Stephanie Cook. Iowa is a system, so a lot of his athleticism and a lot of his skills aren't often displayed there because you're playing in a system. Period. The NBA is much more floor space, much more freedom of movement. What was your Reaction, Troy, went from that quote as a fan. My, my reaction was, I look at Draymond Green. He doesn't need a system to get his passes, to get what he does, to make hustle plays. He he works within the system that it has. It's, to me, it's a little bit of a parent. I get feedback. I think that's, I don't know. I think that, uh, I, th- I, I think that we're... We can all appreciate that parental role there. We've all seen it play out in really weird ways, and maybe this is just what that is. That that's how Stephanie Cook is is interpreting in this information that she was given. That I, sure. she could be seeing this sure. through a mom's eyes. It's a very well, good point, Mark. Well, the the other thing was the NBA quote. The NBA was his dream. That's where his skill sets and talents will be best utilized. Something like that, or maybe you have that. That's like the paragraph before. I thought. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought that was telling. Uh, I guess I guess my I don't have an opinion on it, but I, I just think a Draymond Green is a guy that's that makes a, that's tough fair. plays. Troy, thanks for the phone call, buddy. I always appreciate thanks. hearing Troy. from you. That's a good comparison. Yeah, All right, that, so that is the quote: "The NBA is his dream. That's where his talent and his skill sets will best be utilized." So let's talk go. about expectations for what what do we think Tyler Cook adds to this team this year? I am at an absolute loss for trying to predict what's going to happen with this Hawkeye team this year. And I think Tyler Cook is probably the epitome of that. I don't know what to expect from him. So, Chad or Mark, can either one of you help me with what fair expectations are for Tyler Cook in his junior year? Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> well, I, think, I mean, we saw him I mean, take a pretty good leap, I think, between his freshman and sophomore years. I mean, his productivity was up about, what, 15 to 20%. Uh, I think he can take another, another leap just like that. I think I think eighteen and eight is well within his reach on an average night, and that's uh, that would put him in the top, you know, ten of the Big Ten in probably both those categories. And I think that's well within his reach. I think uh, Iowa without him would be a, a much worse off team. I think he's, they're much better with him than they are without him. That's the numbers. I think those are fair, Chad. Eighteen and eight. I know that's lofty, but the guy is supposed to be one of the stars of this team. That's what they're going to need from him if they're going to be successful. What are some of the other things that it's fair to expect from Tyler Cook? Yeah, I think uh, he needs to improve his defense. That would be the first thing I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the, anybody would object to that. 
Um, I don't know. He didn't talk about that as much, did he? It sounded like he was more um, focused on uh, ball handling and his three-point shot. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what types of adjustments, if any, Iowa, Iowa's offense makes to cater to Tyler Cook. Um, obviously, if, you, if you've got a really talented player, you want, you know, you want to cater to that guy uh, unless it's going to be a detriment. So it, I just think it's going to be really interesting and fascinating to see what Fran McCaffrey and his staff does from here. Um, I'm sure it, I'm sure Fran McCaffrey would love to be able to have a first round draft pick. <laughs> to say he had a first right. round draft pick um but, so it's but i don't anticipate him making wholesale changes just to cater to tyler cook when he's got 11 or 12 other guys yeah i think that it's about it's about the changes that cook has to make In- yeah. increased offensive production got to be better on defense and if you're going to be the nba guy on this college roster you've got to be a leader on and off yeah, the court, we can't absolutely. have these conversations in mid-December and early January about what's the identity of this team, who's the true leader. Is it Nicholas Bear coming off the bench that's your leader on this team? I think that it has to be Tyler Cook that steps up there. What's What scenarios here for the team? And, Chad, we'll start with you this time. What's the worst-case scenario with this roster coming back? Well, Last I mean, year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I— uh, somebody was talking to me about the well they should be a top four team in the Big Ten Conference again and I was obviously that's what I predicted last year uh, so I'm not uh, going to predict I probably won't predict that again um, but I mean I don't I think a lot has to change for them to get out of the basement I know the Big Ten you know isn't going to be maybe dynamic next year but uh, I think worst case scenario is there's a lot of um, I don't want to say infighting infighting but uh, the, the chemistry has to improve because obviously it wasn't there defensively last year, and and I just wonder um, with him coming back. I mean, there has to be. Fran McCaffrey even said this, Mark. He said, you know, I think the first thing we'd have to do is get you know connected with each other again, reconnected or yeah. something like that. Yeah, um, that was telling yeah. to me. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a very delicate thing. I think is what what basically has happened here is Tyler Cook has admitted that he was one day away from leaving, not even being a hawk egg in this year. Now he's got, he has, comes back and expects to be the leader. And you got, I mean, you've got to mend a lot of fences there. You've got to talk to your teammates and explain to them what the situation was and that you really do want to be here and you do want to lead these guys and they've got to be willing to follow you. So I would be really curious to know what that conversation is like when the first time that they all get together as a team without the coaches around, just those guys in the locker room and, and what Tyler says to them because he's got to win them back over, I think, in my, in my mind. There's got to be some kind of sense of, you know, yes, I am in this for, for all of you, not just for me. If if we if we are talking about that worst case scenario, Mark, and he's not able to mend those fences, what are we looking at here for a 2018-2019 Hawkeye basketball I mean, I, season? I think maybe the same, very similar to what we saw last year. I mean, I, I do think they'll be a better team than that. I think they got they should be in the top half of the league now. I think with him okay. back, but right. but if it if it does go south again like we saw last year, yeah, they could be back in there and that and playing that opening you know Wednesday night game in the Big Ten tournament again. I mean, it's not it's not an easy league. It's never an easy league, and and. Uh, and those teams will make you pay for any lack of cohesion, and that's uh, that's one thing that Iowa needs to show that they that they're together. All right, best case scenario, Chad, he mends the fences. Tyler Cook has learned some stuff from this NBA evaluation, maybe better how to fit into that system or whatever that is, or how to play better outside of the system or around it. Mm-hmm. What's the high level that of of expectations that Hawkeye fans should have? Yeah, I mean, I I think best case scenario. I mean, this is to me the the bar of expectations. Um, 
still is the NCAA tournament. I, I, don't, I don't think a bad year when you were one year after a freshman class that almost made the NCAA tournament. I don't think you lowered the bar. So I think the bar is at the NCAA tournament. That's where I'm going to put the bar anyway. Um, I think best case scenario is Joe Wieskamp is everything we think he's going to be. He gives Iowa uh, another star on the floor. So maybe he and Tyler Cook and Jordan Bohannon really kind of carry this team as sort of a three-horse uh, field. Not I'm, I'm four-horse with Luca Garza, obviously. So um, I, I should have mentioned him. So I think best case, this this team comes together and and starts hitting threes um, with Isaiah Moss and Macy Daly and mm. Nicholas Bear has has a has a great fifth year. Uh, and Jordan Luke McCaffrey blends in perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot of potential. There certainly is a lot of potential here. Maybe more potential than any team I can remember since since maybe Aaron White's senior year. Mark, I think that's fair. Hawkeye fans could be in for a pleasant surprise because I think our expectations are uh, kind of in the shadows right now. Right. Yeah. No, I do. I mean, I, I think I tweeted this too, but I, I that starting lineup is very intriguing. That Garza, Cook, Wieskamp, Moss, and Bohannon—that's five guys that should all average in double figures in scoring mm-hmm. uh, for one thing. And then, uh, then the question becomes, what do you get off the bench? And, and if Connor McCaffrey is able to spell Bohannon at times and play alongside of him at times to shore up that point guard question mark, which is a big one looming over this team, yeah, I mean, they, they can certainly make a run at the NCAA tournament. And like I said, they should be easily in the top half of the league. You know, if those guys all play up to their potential, and then and the other dynamic with this whole thing is McCaffrey's also got to manage not only Tyler Cook, not only Joe Wieskamp, and all these other guys that are like the Cordell Pemsels of the world that, that maybe thought they were going to have more playing time. Right. He's got to manage that. He's also got to manage coaching his son and how that's going to come across. So I, he's got a huge task on his hands, in my opinion. You kind of mentioned Pen- I don't, no names, but if. Are we certain that all of these names will be back, Chad? Is there still time that somebody could decide playing time has changed for me and I'm and I'm Bolton? Is the time frame allow for that still? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's 351 Division One teams. I mean, I think that uh, we'd be foolish to think there couldn't be some some late movement. Um, well, look what happened to Christian Williams last year. <laughs> Great point. Yeah, that went into one. October. Yeah. So good point, Mark. Uh, yeah. Okay, Mark. It, I mean, if you. How certain are you that we could write down those twelve names that Chad just mentioned as uh, as playing time in week one? Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I certainly haven't heard any anything otherwise. Well, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume they're going to be there until somebody tells me that they're not going to be there. But uh, yeah. you know, if, if somebody were to get up and leave, I mean, you could understand why. And uh, I don't think. I mean, as long as it's not one of those top five, I don't think it's really that damaging. Honestly, well, you know, as long as it's not a, I guess might help thin it. might help thin things out a little bit, Mark. I mean, in a, yeah, if yeah. we're looking for the optimistic side of things, right? Great, right. uh, great show, Mark. I know it was a short one. Thanks for giving us time on your vacation, man. We we, we appreciate it, buddy. Let me throw one in quick. Okay, if there's a returning guy, you know Cook's going to be gone after next year. Maybe think about redshirting. That's a really good point. There you go. I like that Throw a lot. It out there. That's why we let Chad Lice go hang around till the buzzer sounds. <laughs> Good luck to your Capitals, by the way, Thanks, Chad. Uh, we've been we've been mentioning that from time to time on the Fanatics. You're a big Washington Capitals yep. fan. He was a season ticket holder for a long time. If you were looking for a reason to root for a team, our buddy and his happiness is one of them. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week on Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO.